Good morning, everyone. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Chafhei in Maseches Yoma, and I think we'll hopefully get to learn most of Daf Chafhei, but we uh, are going to start 20 lines down from the top, or somewhere in the middle of Chavdalad Amid Bez. We were talking about um, what is going on. A voda that is done by a czar can carry the death penalty, as we said yesterday, Misa Bide Shemaim for either a czar, and we call uh, all kinds of scenarios czar. Czar really technically means a stranger, right? A non-Kohen. But even a Kohen, if he's not wearing the Big Day Kahuna, or even a Kohen who is wearing the Big Day Kahuna, if he's not washing his hands and feet properly, uh, might be subject to this. Now, this would be only true for specific avodas, as we mentioned yesterday. That the Pasuk, in fact, points out that the, vod- that the avoda has to be an avoda tama, has to be a complete avoda. And so now we're going to be still in the series of asking, there are certain avodas that should be chayev, based on the Pasuk that says that it has to be a complete, discrete avoda. There are certain avodas that we know where, that do not carry a death penalty of and the Gemara asks, well, perhaps they should, because after all, these avodas seem to be discrete full avodas. So we start with Elamiata, based on everything we learned yesterday's daf, Zar Tamaracha Maybe a person, uh, a Zar, that, uh, a non Kohen, let's say, that arranged the Maracha, right, put together the uh, wood for the fire, for the big bonfire, he should be Chayev. Because that sounds like it's a big uh, voda on its own. So the Gemara answers no. Ika cedar snake zero eighteen. On top of that, it's not the putting together of the wood for the bonfire is not. <coughs> excuse me. The um, does not constitute the completion of that avoda. But rather, we still afterwards put on two blocks of wood on top of the fire. Uh, we first met these two zero eighteen. Um, in Shkolem, you might recall when we said a person's no there some wood. Um, to the base of Mikdash, they could, they could even, he could be talking about one of the two Shtag Zira Eitzim. Anyway, that's part of the Avoda, so the Avoda is not complete until you put on the Shtag Zira Eitzim. So the Gemara says, see there Shtag Zira Eitzim Lechayev. Shtag Zira and Lechayev, right? If they put on the two Gzira, maybe they'll be Lechayev. And the Gemara says, Ika Sidor Evarim. But no, that is not concluded either because there's the arranging of the Evarim, right, which are the limbs of the Korban Tamid, on top of the fire. Now, that is, uh, Rashi points out, the Tamid Basrei, because Avodas Hasidur Hu. In other words, making a fire in its own right uh, has to be said here, that making a fire in its own right, like making a bonfire, while that might be the complete Avoda of Lag Baomer, which uh, for some people, which we just went through, it's not the complete Avoda of the Korban Tamid, right? Arranging the Korban Tamid is like, you know, arranging a barbecue. If you're not also putting the limbs of the animal on top of the fire, so it's not a discrete avoda in its own right. Just making the fire in its own right, setting up the wood is not enough to consider it a complete avoda. It has to be for the purpose of the tamid, as Rashi alludes to here. Okay. The Gemara says, however, that in fact, uh, there is a shita in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that a czar that does the two zeratim is in fact chayav mitzvah shemaim. So the Gemara says b'ha pligi marsav avodah tamei marsav alav avodah tamei. So that thing which I, which I just said um, is in fact a subject of dispute. Is setting up just the wood 
for the fire, in avod, a complete avoda tama, uh, a complete avoda or not. And that would determine whether you are in fact chayev misa, midei shemaim, fine. So now, let's go back to the Trumas Adeshen. We have a brysa like Levi and a brysa like Rav about whether the, the Trumas Adeshen is in fact considered a bona fide avoda, uh, which would make one potentially chayev misa. Um, so Tanya can say the Rav, Tanya can say the Levi. Let's see these brises inside. Tanya can say the Rav. Avodas Shazar Chayvalein Misas. So there's a list in a brisa of all the uh, explicit list of all the avodas where Zaru Bichayv Misas. Rikas Dam Bein Lifnaim Bein Lifnaim Lifnaim. Well, Rikas Dam we know that's Ritzui. That's really like the one thing that we know for sure. Nobody could ever uh, say that anyone other than a Kohen should do this Rikas Dam. Okay, we also have Amaza Bechata Sa'of, Amimatza Vamaktir Beola Sa'of. These are also parts, uh, types of Zrika, but like subdivisions. If you're sprinkling the, the blood of the Chata Sa'of, squeezing or burning the, the, the Ola. Vamanasech Shlosha Lugin Mayim, Shlosha Lugin Yain. We already talked about, uh, yesterday that Nisuchamayim, Nisuchayain is also in the list of things. Um, so we already have these lists. Um, yesterday, these are four types of Avodas where you would be Chayav Misa. Now what's a notable uh, omission here is the Truma Sadeshin. So this is consistent with the opinion of Rav that Truma Sadeshin is not an avoda, um, that it's not a bona fide avoda. And again, as we discussed yesterday, Truma Sadeshin is not a matana, like these hazaos are, certainly, right? And, and, and these, um, and, and the libations, right? Obviously, the nisuch and the, and the spritzing are both matana. And the true Masadeshin is a siluk. And so therefore, in this particular list, the true Masadeshin is not considered an avoda that carries a potential chiv misa, and that's in accordance with Rav. However, says the Gemara, Tanya Kavase de Levi, we also have a brisa that is like Levi, avoda shazar chayvalei misa, and the brisa right away says, hameri misadeshin. There it is. True Masadeshin, a czar would be chayv misa, making it a bona fide avoda, v'sheva hazal shibifnim. And then, of course, going back to the Hazos, those are inside. Um, and also the, the seven Hazos that are made in the case of the Mitzorah at the end. Um, so again, the Mitzorah itself is not doing it, right? This is done by the Kohen on behalf of the Mitzorah. Otherwise, you could be a Chiv Misa carried with, with uh, doing the sprinkling. And anyone who actually brings anything on the altar. So again, that's a Matana. Anything brings anything on the Mizbeach. And what's, um, what's astonishing here is even if you bring something puzzle on top of the Mizbeach, that is surprising, right? In other words, you would think that if you bring something puzzle on top of the Mizbeach, then it's not even an Avoda. So why would, can you imagine bringing something puzzle on top of the Mizbeach and you're not a Kohen and you're Chayv Misa because you did? So the Rashi addresses this, Bain um, of the third wide line. This is referring to, says Rashi, In other words, there are, there's a category of psulim that you have to, you know, if somebody puts, God forbid, whatever, a pig on the Mizbech, you say, get that out of there, right? You have to take it off right away. What are you doing? That's not a psul. That's something that inherently just has to come right off. A certain psulim that if you started, even though it's puzzle, we say you have to continue. That's what Rashi is explaining. And therefore, there is an avoda involved because it's haktara, because there is a burning that continue, and that in itself should not be done by a czar. Okay. All right, let's get back to the payas. 
Lama mafisin, says the Gemara. Six lines up from the wide. An Why do we do these lotteries all together? The lotteries, as we, we've, so far we've only discussed the first one of the Truma Sadesh, and hopefully to get it today, we'll get to the second one as well. And we said in our, in our Mishnah, we said that you do four lotteries. So you say, Lama mafisin, asks the Gemara, what do you mean? Kedaman, we just explained why we do the, the lotteries. Right, because we because there used to be the whole episode where where they threw each other off the ramp. So that's why we did the lottery. <coughs> so says the Gemara. Now, why do we do it four times? That's what the Gemara meant. So literally to get everybody emotional, to get a matzav going, as they say, right? To get a tumult in the base of mikdash, get everybody excited. Why, it, where, why, how do we know that it's a value to get people emotional and excited in the base of Mikdash? Because there's a Pasuk at Tehillim, Shanamar, Asher Yachtov Namtik Sod, Elokim Beragesh. In other words, uh, in here, Sod doesn't mean necessarily uh, a secret, as it does in colloquial Hebrew. It means Sod here is like counsel. Uh, the art scroll defines it as sweet counsel. We, we write the, the word of, the word, um, the word of wisdom, as it says, together we're going to hear the wisdom, and what? We want to walk with excitement. So whenever we do it, it's the Gemara, it's Muslim moment. Whenever we do things of Kedusha, we should walk with excitement. So Andrew, I want, to sh- I want to see you looking alive as we do this. Oh, there you go. I just got a big thumbs up and a pump, fist pump. Good. So whenever we do the Ratzon Hashem here, we should do so with enthusiasm. So that's why they did it, because... Everybody likes a nice lottery, and so they like to do it multiple times during the day. They could have done all of the lottery uh, for all the avodas at the beginning of the day, but they did it multiple times to just keep the keep the excitement going all day long. Fine. So now the Gemara asks, "Bamema fisin." Um, so the question here, "Bamema fisin," is kind of ambiguous. Rashi explains, "Mahayu lovshin osam hanesafim lefayis big dechol or big dekodesh." Well, that, that question becomes obvious as we read the Gemara. The Gemara is asking as follows. Remember, let's talk, this is, uh, seems to be clearly talking about the first pious. Okay, so the very first lottery, everybody's showing up like, I don't know who would do such a thing, but showing up at like 5.35 a.m. Uh, to a, uh, to the location in the base of Mikdash, as we'll see where it is in the base of Mikdash that we do the pious. And they get together and the question is, at that point, are they wearing their scrubs or their street clothes or are they already in their big day kahuna? Why would they be in one or the other? So the Gemara is going to discuss. It's a machlokas. Rav Nachman Amar, the big day chol. Rav Nachman says they show up in their street clothes. Rav Sheishas Amar, the big day kodesh. They show up in their base of clothes. Why? So Rav Nachman Amar, the big day chol. The Amar's big day kodesh. Rav Nachman says, no, everybody should just show up in civilian clothes, because if you suit up, as it were, right in your in your coin uniforms, then there are going to be some of these guys who are aggressive, and they say, "I didn't come here suited up not to play. I didn't suit up to just not play." And then, irregardless of, regardless, irrespective of what the outcome of the lottery would be, they don't care. They're going to go out and just jump the gun and do the avoda because they didn't suit up to not play, Andrew. They didn't suit up to ride the bench. And so Rav Nachman says, you know what? Everybody show up in your civilian clothes. Let's just first see who's going to get the lottery to do the avoda. That was his suggestion. Now Rav Sheshus Amar, Bevig Dei Kodesh. Rav Sheshus said, no. 
show up in your uniform, because if you show up in civilian clothing, what's going to happen is, so um, Birnbaum pointed out that Rav Nachman's more concerned about the enthusiastic, uh, overly right, aggressive guys. Rav Sheshish is concerned about the tzaddik guys, who what? Who's showing up in the civilian clothing, and when they win the lottery, they can't believe it. Oh my God, I never won anything. And then without even giving it much thought, they're going to start doing the avoda. That, as we've just learned, could be very dangerous. That's chiv mitzvah b'deshamayim. You can't do the avoda without your, right? So, so the first set of guys that are not ones worried about, then they're just taking the schus and fed ahead of everyone and being aggressive. The second set of guys, they could be chiv mitzvah we got to protect those guys, and therefore everybody should show up in their, right, ready for work, in their um, uh, uniform, and we'll see if the pious, in fact, turns out that you don't get it, then you're going to change out of your big day kahuna. This way, at least, nobody makes the mistake of doing the avoda, the big day chol, chas v'shalom. Okay. So now each are going to bring a proof to their, so Rav Nachman again said they showed up in street clothes, and he says, I'm Rav Nachman, mino, mino, how do I know this? It's not. I learned it from Mishnah and Tamid. What happens in Mishnah and Tamid? It says like this. So then after they uh, cast the lots, they passed it over to like the shamas, right? To the guys, the handlers. Okay? They, they um, used to unclothe the Kohanim. We'll see, right? So, so they're going to use to take off the Kohanim's clothes and leave them standing in their hoisin, Right? Only in their undergarments. Okay. So now, as we arrive at Chafei Amad Aleph, so says the, right, so says Rav Nachman, my right? In other words, Rav Nachman says, again, the Mishnah and Tamid is ambiguous. It doesn't say what they were wearing that we're stri- stripping them of. But if they're, but, but Rav Nachman is saying the Pashup shot of that Mishnah and Tamid is as follows. Everyone's wearing street clothes. And then a bunch of guys win the lottery. So we strip them of their, right? We take off their tyros and hoodies and the street clothes and we strip them down to their hoisin. And we say, and then we dress them in big day kahuna and they go do the avoda. That's the Pashup shot of the Mishnah according to Rav Nachman. However, Amar of Amar of Sheshes, in the name of Rav Sheshes, who holds that they showed up in their big day kahuna, they interpreted that Mishnah and Tamid differently. In other words, they say like this, says the Gemara, Now, what's happening is, we're stripping the clothes, we're showing up in Big Day Kahuna, and we're stripping the clothes of those who did not win the pious. In other words, we're taking their Big Day Kahuna off. And says the Gemara, and that also makes sense. If you thought that it meant that we show up in street clothes and strip down in street clothes um, the, and take off the street clothes of those who were Zoka and the pious in preparation for putting on the Big Day Kahuna, does it make sense that we would strip them down to their hoisin and then dress them in their Big Day Kahuna? It says, Vehatanya, and after all, we learned it by So we already learned that you can't put on anything before the Michnasayim. Which is, and also we know that you can't have like any chatzitza, right? In other words, this was the dress of the day. What did people used to wear? For begadim. This is not just kohanim, but this was just how people walked around. They didn't have the fruit of the loom, uh, cotton underwear. They had these linen undergarments that we're, we're calling hoisin, right? That were like these linen knickers. That was their undergarment. And above that, they wore a robe, right? So you had your, you had your robe, you had your undergarment, belt and hat. 
bada bing, bada boom. Four items of clothing, right? Um, so that's what they wore. Whether they wore a hat or not, we're going to see. But the point is, that's what they wore. So what's happening here? You're taking off their robe, and they're standing in their hoisin. Now, if the shot is like of Nachman, that they're wearing their street clothes, so then they're standing in their fruit of the loom hoisin, and then putting on their big day kahuna. In other words, we're assuming that nobody's wearing no clothes at any point. That's, this is happening in public, and nobody's going to be stripping down completely. The problem is, if you have street clothes, take you down to your, to your, um, to your street clothes hoisin, and then put on the big day kahuna, then at what point are, then the problem is, you're putting the big day kahuna knickers on top of your whole knickers, and that you cannot do because it's supposed to be al besaro. You're supposed to have only the big lekehuna knickers. So this is what uh, Nachman's going to. So this is what they're going to explain, like this. Ve'idach, right? So Rav Nachman would say, "Halokasha ha ketani atche odon alein big dechol malbishon adam mechan say kodesh ve'ayum afshitin osan big dechol v'loayum manichin ela mechnasayim bilvad." So the truth is that that's what I would do. In other words, if I was in a locker room with these Kohanim, then I would do it exactly how Rav Nachman's explaining, as follows. It's not a kasha, because this is what they do. They're all in street clothes, and then let's say me and Andrew get selected to do the Avodah. Sorry, Barry. So we get to select to do the Avodah next time, Barry. So, so, so then, what do we do? We're wearing our chol and everything like that. So what do we do? While, while we're still wearing our street clothes robe, we take off the chol hoisin and put on the michnesei kodesh, right? Because that's the most sanua way to do it. Now, as you change into, you could do that. Now, as you don't have to be totally uh, nude when you put on the michnesei kodesh, you could still be wearing your street clothes, your street robe, put on the michnesei kodesh, as long as it's the first of the begadim of the kahuna that you're wearing, then that's fine. Then you put on your undergarment, your, your kodesh, Hoisin, and now that you have your Kodesh Hoisin, that's when you take off the robe, and at that point you're standing just in your Hoisin, that's what the Mishnah and Talmud is describing, and then you put on the rest of the Big Dekehuna. So that's what Rabbi explains, right? So, while you're still wearing the Chol robe, you put on the, the base of Mikdash Hoisin, and then, that's when you take off the Chol robe, and then, and you end up standing in your base of Mikdash Hoisin, getting ready to wear the rest of your uh, begadim. So that is Rav Nachman. He thinks that the Mishnah and Talmud makes the most sense, that you're showing up in your street clothes, and these guys that are described in the Mishnah are the guys that won the lottery and are now changing into their big day kahuna. Amar Rav Sheshes, where does Sheshes get his idea that they show up in their big day kodesh? As follows. Mino, mino la, detanyo, because I have a different brisa. This brisa says the following. Lishka sagadzis that there was the Lishka Sagazis, famously, I think it's room 22 in the art scroll, the beautiful colored um, schematic of the base of Mikdash in the front. Kimin Basilki Gedola. Basilicum. Kimin Basilki Gedola Haisa. Did you ever go to the Familia Sagrida in Basilica in uh, Barcelona, Andrew? Oh my God. You shouldn't, you shouldn't go because you'll have to acknowledge the, the grandeur of Gaudi's creation over there. Okay, anyway, the point is, Lishka Sagazis was built like a basilica, and this word says basiliki, and it was like a, like a tower. Now, pious b'mizracha, v'zakin yoshev b'marava. This is going to be significant. They cast the pious on the eastern side, and they had a, they had like a referee, um, gadol, uh, tamachacham, 
sitting on the western side. Okay, so the fact that he's sitting is going to be significant also. Choliar is a word we had already in Shabbos. You're talking about a brooch, uh, like a sickle, right? A rounded thing. They sat like in a semicircle. Okay, or a circle. Okay. And then, so how, do you, how does this happen? So that, now you're painting a scene. The Mimuna, the Mimuna, the guy who's in charge of this, of this lottery, and that's how you indicate, right, that we start the counting of who's going to be winning the lottery from this guy. As the Gemara, as the Bryce says, and that's how we know, that's where we start. Now, he's taking off his hat. Tosfos points out, why is this hat called a Mitznefes? Second Tosfos. Mikan Kosher the Parish Really, technically, the coin hedyot is called a migbat, and the coin gadol is called a mitznefes. So Tosos points out the migbat, which is why the way what they call a black hat. If you get into like Marava in Israel, so they say chayav lavi migbat for the Shabbos. Uh, you have to wear. They call it a migbat. That's what the coin hedyot wore, and it had it was a wider brim. The coin gadol was more like 2012 tomo, where it was very mitznefes shi It was a very narrow brim. That was the style. The fishayat tzarech lahaniach tefillin v'tzitz, right? Because the kohen gadol has to put on the tefillin and the tzitz, so he needs a, a smaller brim hat. Anyway, so why is he using mitznefes, which is a kohen gadol thing here? So it says basically, it's um, lashon chachamim, lashon torah is different. But sometimes it's just like colloquial language. Anyway, the point is, he they took the kohen hedjot, they took off his hat, and they uh, and that's how they indicated that that was him. Now. Amazingly, this is Rav Sheshis. This is Rav Sheshis's proof that what? That they had to show up in Big Day Kahuna. Why? Because the Big Day Kahuna insists on a hat. But the Big Day Chol, who wears a hat? I mean, like, why would you wear a hat? <laughs> that is obviously uh, a sign for Ari Leibowitz to the great Dafyomi master to go off on a 15 minute uh, description of the mitzvah of, of Yamaka. And Perhaps uh, and, the mitz- and, and the story of Nachum Bar Yitzchak uh, that he he was destined to right he was born in a certain mazel that he was destined to a certain nefarious future uh, which prompted his mother to knit him a yarmulke that she wore that he wore the whole day then yarmulke blew off in the Gemara and then he climbed a tree and he went nuts and then and then finally he put on the yarmulke and he felt better okay so this is this is all a long way of saying. They took off the hat. The fact that they took off the hat means they were already wearing Big Tikkuna. This is Rosh proof. So you see here from the Gemara, you don't have to wear a hat. So as the Gemara says, If you should think that they were dressing in Big Dechol, Does anybody wear a hat during the week? Oh, but it's not such a great proof because the Gemara says, in Yes, there is a case where people wear a hat during the week. So you say, uh, you say, why look at yeshivas and everybody wears a hat during the week? Not necessarily. This is a very specific case where people wear the hat during the week. That there was a specific unique case for Kohanim where they wore big day kahuna that weren't really big day kahuna. That there was a minhag, as Rashi explains. Um, Excuse me, the Rashi, it says, it, we're going to learn this actually, in Daflamid Hay, that the mothers of the Kohanim, we're going to learn about this minhag in about 10 days, Bezrat Hashem, that the mothers used to like to make replica big day kahuna for their sons, for their korban yachids, to show, laharos tiferes oshran v'noim lachtan, to show how much they loved it, how much they had in the mitzvah, and how they're affluent, and it's a beautiful thing. Okay, so anyway, the point is, 
it was essentially not big day kahuna, but it was replica big day kahuna. So there were circumstances where even uh, during the week, the kohanim would wear, so to speak, big day chol, but it had replica big day kahuna. So therefore, that's a scenario where they did wear a hat. Okay. So 18 lines down on Chafei Aleph, we've gone through of Nachon and Rav Sheshes, and we talked about uh, and we talked about what kind of begadim they wore when they did the pious. Now we have a new topic, which is from this brisa, we have an interesting idea. From this brisa of Rav Sheshes, we see a couple of things. We are painting a picture of how it looked on that day, right? They stood in a semicircle. The Chacham was sitting. They're in the Lishkas Gazas and the pious is taking place. So this actually amazingly teaches you some aspects of the construction of the Lishkas Gazas. How so? As follows. Amar Baye. Here's the Baye. Shmamina. Lishkas Gazas. We learn actually two things about the Lishkas Gazas from here. Number one, the half of it is in the Kodesh and half of it protrudes out into the whole area. And we also learn that it has two openings, one in the Kodesh and one in the Chol. How so? As follows. Because it can't be entirely in Kodesh, because because we see that the Zakin is sitting. That really, nobody that we know is allowed to sit in, in the Azara. Mind you, uh, Rabbi Leibowitz says that there's a higher bias issue also here, potentially. Uh, you're not supposed to sit. They have guards up there. So you see YouTube videos of guards sitting and like doing all kinds of, um, you know, they're just chilling like army style up there. Really, technically, you're supposed to be standing up there. However, if the entire thing was in Chol, so that's why we see the fact that the Zuckin was sitting, there had to be an element there that was Chol. But if, the, but if you thought it was Bechol, then Pius Bimizracha then how are you doing a pious in an area that's chol? We said that the reason why we're doing four different lotteries is because we want to fill the base of with emotion and excitement. Well, this is not the base of if it's in the chol. So that would not be uh, a fulfillment of that idea <coughs> if, if in fact we're sitting there in an outer, in an outer office. It must be that at least part of the office was in the base of Otherwise that, that, that would be Right, that would be silly. They would not uh, fulfill that idea of filling the house of Kodesh with emotion. So, Beleka. So it says, So the fact that the coin, that, that the Gadol was sitting, that the Zakin was sitting, means that an aspect of it was in Chol. The fact that we're doing the pious means an aspect of it was Bekodesh. What about the openings? Says the Gemara, If there was one Pesach, then it wouldn't work. If there's only one Pesach, um, if it was just Upasuach la Kodesh, Let's say, if there's only one Pesach and it was open to the Kodesh, then Zakein Yosheb bin Marava, then you can't have a Zakein sitting in, right, the, the western side. Because, Vehatnan, we learn in the Mishnah in Maishasheni. Halashachas Vabnuyas Bachol of Suchas the Kodesh, Tochan Kodesh. This is also, Birman points out, uh, Gemara, we quoted, we quoted this in, in, uh, in Erevin, that if you have an opening to, only to the Kodesh, then even if a portion of that room juts out, Outside, right, of the parameters of the base mikdash into the chol, but there's no access from the outside, and therefore tochan kodesh. The entire interior is considered kodesh. Uh, and if so, so, you say okay. So that's why the zaken could sit in the marava, but and therefore there has to be an opening to the chol. But if there was only an opening to the chol, then even if right this room protrudes past the boundaries into the kodesh, the entire room would be considered 
Chol, as the, right, as the Gemara just explains, Pius Bimizracha, how are we going to have the actual lottery in that room, Vatnan, right, because we already learned in the Mishnah, Benuyas Bakodesh Psuchos Lachol, even if it protrudes into the Kodesh, if it has only an opening to the Chol, Tochan Chol, then the interior is considered Chol, and so therefore it has to be, So just from the fact, that you have the Zakin sitting, and we're also doing the pious in the same room, we learn about that said room, the Lishka Sagazis, that half of it protrudes into the Chol from the Kodesh, half of it protrudes into the Kodesh, and there's an opening on each. Beautiful. And so we've arrived at the Mishnah, towards the bottom of Chafei and Aleph, where we discuss the second pious. So the first one was for Truma Sadeshan. What is the second pious for, the second lottery? It says the Mishnah, a pious Hasheni Mishochet, who does, gets to do the Shechita? That's interesting. Thought that the shechita could be done by Zar. We'll see. Mi shochet, mi zorek. Right. These, again, this is at this point. This is no longer necessarily a list of which avodos are chayiv misa. This is just a list of which avodos uh, you get to do. It's a lottery. Okay. So, me, uh, I mean, which ones are chayiv misa for Zar? Mi shochet, mi zorek. Right. Who's doing the the spritzing? Mi midash, mi zbeach apnimi. Right. There's not only the trumas adash and mi zbeach hitzoni. That's been discussed until now. But there's also one on the inner mi clearing the ash from Nora from the night before. Well, this is it. You got to schlep. It's a big animal. You can't just do it one guy. My mother's mother's father, Maitkes Hashoichet, he was a Kayin. He was the Shoichet in Suvalk for Rav David Lifshitz. So it's my great grandfather, Maisha Leib. And um, he died carrying an animal by himself. I mean, that's, he had a heart attack carrying an animal by himself on a cold day or something like that, and he passed away doing that. You don't carry the entire animal by yourself. You have to carry it piecemeal up to the, up the ramp and harosh v'haregel. So the first coin carries the, we'll see, the head of the animal and the right hind leg. Ushtehayadaim. Then the second one carries the two forelegs. Ha'okets v'haregel. The third one carries the tail and the left hind leg. The ha'chaza v'hagera. The fourth coin carries the chazeh, the breast, and the neck of the animal, ushte hadfanos. The fifth one carries the two ribs. He gets to carry the ribs. Uh, he has a good one, because everybody loves ribs. Next one, not such a good one. Hakaravayim, the sixth coin is carrying intestines. Um, that sounds like Andrew. I could just see Andrew get stuck with that one. He's carrying a bunch of intestines up the, the ramp. The hasolas, no offense, Andrew. The seventh coin is carrying, the, you're not a coin anyway, so don't worry about it. Uh, seventh carries the mincha of the, um, of, of the flower. The chavisin, the eighth coin carries the chavitin, right? The, uh, uh, the latkis, right? It's not really, uh, latkis, but it's, it's the, what, on, on the machvas, right? The oily, um, the oily carbs. And the hayain, okay, the ninth coin carries the wine, and the shlashasar kohanim zachubo. Count it up. Thirteen kohanim. Okay, so thirteen kohanim are winning this lottery. Now we're gonna see. Do we have a separate lottery for each of these Kohanim? Or is it one lottery to teach us who all these 13 Kohanim are going to be? Gemara will discuss. That is the first view. Uh, however, Amar ben Aza, the Fnei Rabbi Kiva, Mishum Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua is the Rebbe to all of these, right? The four that went to the Pardes with Rabbi Akiva, ben Azai, ben Zoma, and Elisha ben Avuya. That was Arba Nichnasu the Pardes. That was a crew. And Rabbi Shu was their Rebbe. So Ben Azai, who was one of the Talmidim, said, in the name of Rabbi Shu, the Rebbe, that it's not offered in the way that we just explained now, because we said it in a very specific order, but rather it's the order from 
anterior to posterior, in the way that an animal walks. Uh, for a human being, anterior to posterior is different because we are upright. But these cows, uh, the, the, these, these um, sheep and cattle are on all fours, and therefore anterior to posterior is what we call cranial to caudal, right, right from head to toe. Okay. So now, the Gemara says, are they doing this lottery once or are they doing it for each of these, let's say, 13 ones? So the Gemara has a proof. Tashma, we learned from our very Mishnah, not this one, but the one right before, uh, you might still recall that we did four lotteries. So wait a minute. There's like 13 avodas here. So says the Gemara, if you're doing an, an actual pious for every single one of these avodas, so you'd have to make a whole, a whole lot more, at least 13 for the, just for bringing up the animal, and then, and then the Truma Sedeshin Apnimi, and the Truma Sedeshin Achitzoni, so you're gonna have a lot. 17, 16, whatever, you're gonna have a whole bunch. So why, so you'd have more than four. But, uh, on the flip side, if you only have one, uh, so then you may end up with less than four. So how do we reconcile this? As follows. Amar of Nachman, but Yitzchak, there he is. The aforementioned. Chaval shol dibarno Mashiach. Rav Nachman, but Yitzchak has a resolution as follows. Halchi kamar. Arba pa'amim nichnasin lahafis. Not that there was four lots, but that you went into the room four separate times, and each time you had a certain amount of lottery. Ulechol chad v'chada hayu batuva payasos. In other words, the four times is just the four times that you go in to the Lishka Sagazis to do the procedure and to get the excitement going. But at each ceremony, you're doing more than one lottery. As we turn to Chafei and Beis, we say the following. Tashma, another proof. Rabbi Yehuda Amer, lo haya pious lamachta. That we did not have a pious to determine, right, which coin gets to carry the shovel into the inner Mizbeach for the burning, for the burning of the incense. Ela koin shezocha biktoris so again, the point of the machta is to what? Carry the shovel with the ktoris. But the, that particular avoda has a lot of components to it. We have to really see this Rashi. This first Rashi in Chafeim and Beis. That when they, you do a pious for ktoris, you really need two kohanim. So one kohen is, walk, is taking the ktoris to the heichal. And puts it on and, you know, starts, starts burning it up. And at the same time, you have to have another one, right? Borrowing this from Masechah Shabbos, that you're, you're patching with the coals. We talked about the, can you, right? We, we don't do, we don't do Shehiyah on Shabbos. This was done on Shabbos also, but that's because it's part of the Avoda. Right? is also on Shabbos because it's like fire. But you're allowed to do that on, on, uh, on Shabbos in the base of Mikdash, right? Because that's obviously a voter. Anyway, so this is one of the voters that they're doing. They're, they're um, mixing around the Gecholim, Elam is on the outside. So you can't be in two places at once. And then, Umachnis Lehechal, Venosan Elam is Beach, Apnimi, Lahakter Sakatar Salem. This is all what we're going to learn in Dathmem Hey. The procedure, bottom line is, it takes more than one guy to do it. One guy is carrying a shovel and bringing it in. The other guy is outside, patching with the coals of the outer and bringing it in. So that is why, so, so again, the Brysa says that for that, you did not have a separate lottery for the shovel guy. Ella, coin but you did have a lottery for that who, in general, was zoicha to the ktores. And then, the guy who was zoicha to that lottery, the coin who was zoicha to that lottery, would say to the guy next to him, say to the coin standing next to him, let's go, let's do this. So in other words, 
depending who the Qataris fell on, that also would determine that the guy next to him would get the schus of carrying the shovel. So that's what? What is that a proof of? That sounds like a proof of the fact that if you just do one, you could do one lottery and you don't need a lottery for every single task. But the Gemara gives the obvious answer. Shiny It gives the obvious answer that that's not a proof at all. Because as we just described, that avoda can't, literally can't be done by one person. So of course, the machta is part of the katoras because that's the only way to get it done. But, it's, but it could be that for every other one of the avodas that can be done by in, a single individual, there would be individual lots cast for that. So that wasn't a great proof. Um, and the Gemara has a separate, uh, different version of how that proof went down as follows. Ikadamri, some have that discussion differently. That's follows. The dafka machta katoras. Rabbi Huda said that you only have to do the, the pious once. And when he said that, he was actually referring specifically to that avod of machtan katoris, techad avodahi, because that's chad avodahi, aval shar avodos by pious. That, but, so that even Rabbi Yehuda agreed that every one of the other avodos did require, in fact, a lottery. So the Gemara is going to say, wait a minute. Machta itzrechale. It was necessary to teach him the salacha with the machta. In other words, according to Yehuda, why would he even have to mention that it's that it, that you have one lottery for that? It's obvious. So he says, no. In other words, the machta was a very unusual service. Don't forget, it looked like a meat factory during the base of Mikdash. Everybody's bringing different carbonas for different reasons. Everybody is bringing right meat on the mizbeach, and there's all a bunch of shlamim and chatas and all this other stuff. However, when it came to the Ketoris, that was infrequent. That was only twice a day. And therefore, maybe it deserved its own lottery. And for the, so, I mean, in theory, you could do that. In other words, yes, you need two guys to do the Ketoris and the Machta, but that doesn't mean that you can't have two lotteries, right? As long as you end up with two guys doing the Avoda, so then you could theoretically, so, so you could sign each of those two individuals by two separate lots, in theory. Right, so you would only not do it because it's one avoda, but you still could do it, right? It's like when you have too many kibudim, right? You, you have a, you're making a wedding or, or you're making a bris, let's say, for, for your grandchild. There's too many grandfathers, Baruch Hashem, to, and, and everybody needs to have a kibud. So you'll have kisei shalayo, me'al hakisei, to the kisei, from the kisei, to 20 feet from the kisei, kvater, sgan kvater, right? In other words, you want to give kibudim, so you take really one avoda and you split it up into its component because each one is a kavod. So, the, so, so what the Gemara is saying is that even though the machta was part of the Ketoris, conceptually as an avoda, it had its own kavod. First of all, it was rare because it only happened twice a day. And secondly, umeatra, it was known as a skula for affluence. I don't know if you see, in Baltimore, there's probably not too many guys with this, but if you go to more affluent communities, you'll see a lot of guys that have the Ketoris parchment in their tefillin bag that they read every day because it's a skula for affluence. You, you don't know, if, and obviously it works because you see it in affluent communities. All right, I'll let you think about that. Okay, nasan lafayas v'sfenei Okay, kamash malan, in other words, so that's why we have a hava amina that the machta would have its own lottery. But kamash malan, no, that he who gets the lottery for the ketores gets also to pick the coin next to him or the coin next to him by default gets the, uh, the covet of the machta. Okay. Now we have an explicit proof after, it was worth it to have this great discussion, but look at this. Tashma, come, let's learn this. Here's the price. They don't cast a piece for every single avoda. 
Wow. There's only one pious for the Talmud, and it's a, right, it's a domino effect, where everybody, all the Kohanim next to him, one, two, three, four, once you know that guy, then everybody next to him gets awarded the subsequent Avodah, and so therefore all this discussion ends up being not the case. In fact, there's only one Avodah, one lot for, for that whole Talmud, fine. Question then Burma asks is, so then what are you gathering four times for? Not for now. Okay, two dots, 11 lines down. Pious Hasheni. Okay, so now we have the Pious Hasheni. Uh, now the Mishnah, right, um, we're ta- was, was saying uh, that it mentions certain, certain avodas, but we have a question about the Zrika Saddam, and so we talked about the Zrika Saddam as being one of the avodas, and we talked about the Shechita as one of the avodas. The problem is, or the issue is, between the Shechita and the Zrika Saddam, there is an avoda. Can you guess what it is? Kabbalah Saddam, right? You can't spritz the dam straight off the animal. You're not throwing the animal towards the Mizbeach. You're collecting the blood of the Shechita, and then you're spritzing that. So where is the dam collection of Oda mentioned? So says the Gemara. Ibailu, mi mekabel. Who's, how, how do we determine who gets the schus of doing the Kabbalah Saddam? So it, since we see that there's no pious for it, for that avoda, it can, it can only be somebody who already has an avoda assigned to him. But which one is it? The one who does the shechita or the one who does the zrika? Let's see. Bailo, mi mekabel. Shokan mekabel? Is it the one who does the shechita? The amr zorik mekabel. Agav chavivu say lo mekabel lechule dam. Because it probably should be the shochet. Because if you're going to say this, the person who collect, that, that the person who's going to spritz it, he's going to be so eager to go spritz the blood, then agav chavivu say, because of, out of excitement and passion for that avoda, he's not going to wait for all of the dam to drain from the animal's neck. And he's going to go ahead and start doing this rika before all the blood is received, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to wait. Okay. Or maybe it's the person who does the spritzing that should, in fact, despite his enthusiasm, be the one to receive it. Why? Here's, here's where we go. That if you're going to say that the shochet is mekabel, then that can't work because the kabbalah's hadam has to be done by a kohen. The Shechita, however, we know, there was occasionally times when a czar would do it. Now, that is, as we alluded to yesterday, a very unique aspect of Shechita, that even a non-coin could do it. Of course, that becomes problematic, because if a czar could do it, why is there a pious for it? So, let's, so, so um, be that as it may, that is, that is the question that we have. So let's see if we can determine who does the Kabbalah Saddam. So the Gemara says, Tashma. Ben Katin Asa Shnemasar Dad Le Kiyar. There was somebody by the name of Ben Katin, and he made 12 spouts for the Kiyar. Kadesh Yu Shnemasar Echava Kohanim Asukim Betamin, so that his 12 fellows, right, can do the Korban. In other words, before you do any of these avodas, as discussed, you have to wash your hands and feet. You have to wear a big thick and wash your hands and feet. Otherwise, you're like literally considered halakhically azar. So, Mekachim Yedeim Vergleim Bevasachas. They would all. They, they want that all of those, in order to, uh, for the sake of, right, efficiency in time, this was a very special clear that they made, so that everybody can wash their hands and feet simultaneously, and thus save a lot of time. Just like we have the spouts in the Kiddush cup, right, where it all pours for everyone together out the sides, if you've seen. Now, there's 12 spouts. Here's the issue. Now, the shochet isn't one of the people, right, Who's bring, who's also Kapitamid. He's doing the Shechita and then everyone else has to go and, and bring it up to the Tamid. So if the Shochet was the one that was doing the Kabbalah Saddam, he would have to wash his hands for that. 
And therefore, if that was true, Tleisar Havai, then you would have had 13 spouts. So the fact that there was only 12 spouts reveals that it's in fact the Zorik Hadam who does the Kabbalah. Elav Shmamina, Zorik Mekabel Shmamina. So it's a Zorik Hadam who's Mekabel the Dam. To which, I also learned like this. In other words, the Lushan of that uh, source sounds like you do the Shechita, and then it is the Mekabel Dam who goes ahead and then does the Zrika. So now we know. Now, two dots in the middle of the page, and we've got six minutes, so let's make up some ground. So we said before that the limbs of the Tumid, there was a Nachlokas, right? Do you offer them onto the ramp in the order uh, of the Tanakama of the Mishnah or in the order in which the animal walked from anterior to posterior? So Tanar Rabbanon. So now we're going to have multiple shitas as to what was the order in which we carried the various limbs onto the Mizbeach. Uh, first one is Harosh Ve'aregel, head with the right hind leg, Hachazevagera, and then the breast with the neck, and then Shteyadayim, and then the two forelegs, and then the Shteydefanov, and then the ribs, and then Ha'okets Ve'aregel, then the tail with the left hind leg. That's Shita number one. Shita number two. Rabbi Yosi Aimer, no. Derech Hefshetu Hayakar. You do it, and each one gives a svara, right? So first we said Derech Hilucho. Now we're saying Derech Hefshetu, the order which it's skinned. Ketza Derech Hefshetu, what is that? Harosh Ve'aregel, first the head, then the Okets Ve'aregel, then the tail. With the hind legs, so that's already out of order from the first one. Shade funnels, then ribs, shade daim, the two forelegs. And then the, finally, the chaza and the gera, the breast and the neck, go, go last. Wow. Instead of second. Okay, Rabbi Kiva, Omer. We love Rabbi Kiva, of course. He goes with derech nituchah yachai. If you do it in the order in which it is dismembered, well, that makes sense because with each one you say, okay, here, I just took this off, now you go bring it up. I just took this off. Sounds efficient to me. Kate said derech nituchah. What was that order? So Arosh Ve'aregel, first you chop off the head of the animal with the right hind leg. We're going to talk about why this head always comes with the right hind leg. After all, that, that's not part of the front of the animal. And why are they always together? We'll see. Shtei Adain, the two forelegs, then the chazen, the gerah, then you do the breast. And that makes sense, right? You cut off the front legs, then you do, uh, this is a little queasy for the guys coming into shul now, but the gera, the breast with the neck, which stayed the funos, a little too early for fleshics, and then the ribs, and then the okets and the regal, and the tail with the left hind leg. And then the fourth opinion, Rabbi Aglili says, Derech Iluyo in the order of, Iluyo is not the order that you lift it up on the Mizbech, rather Iluyo in this context meaning quality, the quality of meat. Some people are aware of which are the best cuts. Well, if you're not aware, you're about to find out. The head and the right hind leg is the best. The breast and the neck is second best. Ribs are third best. I did not know that. The tail with the hind leg. Everybody knows the four legs are the worst. Now, says, so now, uh, Rabbi Yossi, not Rabbi Yossi Aglila, Rabbi Yossi wants to ask something about this quality shot. It says, There's an actual Pasuk Right in Yechaskel, that says that the best stuff was the thigh and the shoulder, the yerech v'katef. So wait a minute. So why is that not the first thing that goes up? So he says, right? They should have listed right the thigh and the hind leg before the ribs, because that's the shoulders are located in the ribs. So the Gemara answers, Ahib Khusha. No, that, there over there in Yechesko, it's referring to a lean animal. In other words, lean and fatty animals uh, have different criteria for what's considered the best part of them. So now, uh, according to these limbs, when talking about the order of quality, there is a difference here. Amar Rava, Bain Tanadidon Veni Rabbi Yossi. 
both the, both Rabbi Yossi and right our our Tana who holds uh, of the of Rabbi Yossi Aglili right of the quality says Basar Yiluy Debisra is linan. We go by the quality of meat. Mar Azul Basar Iver Debisra. Mar Azul Basar Shamna Debisra. So Rava is actually going to right. He reconciles the two sources. He says the sources that say that it's going by quality are not necessarily inconsistent because one is going, considers quality to be the meatiest part and the leanest part. And the other one considers the best quality to be the fatty part. Um, and therefore, it's just a machlokas as to what makes the meat better. Sometimes people like it very fatty because it tastes like butter. And some people like it very lean because it's more meaty. So anyways, that would be the machlokas literally here as to which is the more. But fundamentally, they both agree that you bring up the most uh, highest quality first. Okay, now. Now the Gemara asks, my time asalka regal reisha. Why is this right hind leg always together with the head? So the Gemara answers, mishum The head isn't really that edible. It's just a bunch of bones. Carve a regal So we take the hind right leg. First of all, we take the hind leg because that's always the meatiest. The hind leg is much meatier than the foreleg. That, that we know already. Uh, why the right leg? Because right is always better than left. Okay. So now he says, And why is the head, according to every single one of these four sheetas, why is the head always first? How do we know that the, the, the head precedes everything? Because you have to cut it into pieces, and it, the first thing it mentions is the head. And what about the other mention of fat? So we have to daven now. But all I have to say is, we are now found on the very last line of Chavchayim and Beis, and that is where we resume tomorrow. Mm-hmm.